Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast. And now, the youth. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the youth here on Slam Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 145. Today is Wednesday, June 17th, and I am joined by the spectacular Gerald, Anthony, Nicole, Brianna, and Mario. And we are looking forward to another awesome show here on the youth, Slam Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 145. But before we get into any of the topics that we have lined up for today's show, which are pretty extensive and pretty interesting, we will, of course, go through our COVID-19 rundown, of which we do at the beginning of every single show during the first segment. So to kick things off, the current case number in the entire world is at 7.94 million. We're nearing that 8 million mark, surpassing 435,000 deaths, and there are over 3 million recoveries. In the United States alone, we're seeing a confirmed total of 2.18 million cases, as well as 119 deaths, with a confirmed recovered patient of 680,000. We're also seeing overseas Beijing. We talked about this briefly yesterday, how Beijing was starting to see a cluster and sort of a spike in new cases after things had sort of slowed down in China. But Beijing is now suspending primary and secondary schools, as well as canceling over 1,200 flights in and out of the capital over fears of a second wave. They have already recorded over 137 new COVID-19 cases. We're also seeing a study that was conducted by Oxford researchers in the United Kingdom. They're finding that this low-costing drug called dexamethasone, all these drugs have pretty weird names. You know, we always try to figure that out here on the youth and say it in our most Hispanic way as possible as we can. But this new drug is showing that it can pretty much help save the lives of patients that are suffering from severe respiratory symptoms due to the coronavirus. So as we know, the coronavirus does attack your respiratory system. We talked about this yesterday in relation to the tear gas that's being let out at these protests and how it has an effect on the, the lungs and the respiratory system of an individual, which leaves them more susceptible to contracting the coronavirus. But in this report, the drug does show that it cuts the risk of death by a third for those who are on a ventilator and by a fifth for those who are on oxygen. I mean, this all kind of makes sense because this type of drug, uh, dexamethasone, it treats inflammation. And the biggest problem is that with, with coronavirus, as we talked about this, it does cause a lot of inflammation inside of your body, which does, it, it actually, um, it enables an inflammatory response that your brain kind of is like, okay, we need to go for it. So, but dex, dexamethasone is actually normally used for brain tumors and brain patients who suffer from edemas, which is inflammations. So we're kind of seeing this be used because we've we've seen how how it has helped calm it down and has helped in the aid of I guess not necessarily the cure but obviously the reduce and the reduction of certain problems and long causes for the patient so it does make a lot of sense to me why they would use this and you know the type of drug increases appetite which is well needed in coronavirus patients because they're very they're, they they lose a whole bunch of weight and they look very sickly and in order to, you know, get back on track and to actually become healthy again, you need to eat and you need to have that. So the increase in appetite is also a very good thing that the drug that this type of drug offers. And as we know, even when you just contract a simple cold or a flu, or you get, you know, a pretty extreme fever in the winter months, especially, which is when, you know, flu season's pretty popular, you lose your appetite and you don't want to eat. Imagine with the coronavirus, that's even more severe than the flu and it's more drastic just the toll that it takes on your body and the fact that you don't want to eat and like nicole says you end up looking sort of sickly because you know you're not getting the proper nutrition that you probably would be getting if you did not have the coronavirus but now moving on from this you know it's pretty interesting to see how new steps are being taken and new things are being discovered to sort of help ease these symptoms 
And of course, we're still trying to find some sort of a vaccine or a cure for the coronavirus. But we're also dealing with, st we're still dealing with protests here in the United States, the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, since uh, the death of George Floyd on May 25th, we've seen widespread protests of, along the nation, just the entire nation has sort of come together to pretty much, it's, it's a movement that they've created against systematic racism. And just yesterday, we're seeing how the president of the United States, he signed an executive order to encourage, not mandate, police reform and policing. So this executive order restricted chokeholds and also gave uh, police departments financial incentives in order to train officers on the use of physical force. We're also seeing several high school students and alumni are taking situations into their own hands and they're creating anonymous social media accounts and pages on Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, even extensive Google documents where they pretty much share and expose and include all sorts of racist behavior from their peers, their classmates, administration, staff, and their schools in general. So these accounts are compiling videos and information and screenshots from sort of anonymous tips. So think Gossip Girl, but in a more extreme and serious manner. It's, in this case, it's not gossip, it's pretty serious issues that are going down. So they're compiling all this information and they're posting the racist and insensitive remarks or behavior on from these students, from these classmates, from these peers, etc. But in some cases, you know, they do protect the identity of the person and their comments and remarks, but in other cases, they do expose the exact student that is saying or making these remarks, whether in school, in a video, in a post, whatever it may be. So of course, there's two different sides where some people sort of are okay with what's going on, but they don't agree with the fact that students are being exposed on behalf, but other people feel like this is the, this, these means need to be taken in order to sort of teach these students a lesson. I mean, a lot, of those, a lot of those situations are really messed up because some teachers and some administration, like they're racist. Yeah, but the students don't know about it because they're not that close with them. So it's, it's tough in a situation like that. And especially when you expose everything like that, that I, I get that. I'm guessing that most of the people who expose them are seniors or they already graduated. So now they can't get in trouble. But I mean, it's still a very tough situation to be in when your teachers and your administration and almost your whole school has racist beliefs. Yeah, for sure. I mean, while doxing people and letting out all their information is not really cool. I mean, that really can mess up somebody's life in the long run. And it doesn't really teach them anything. It just it gets them more like resenting. Like they said a racist remark. That's terrible. Don't get me wrong. But I think the wise thing to do was, you know, talk to a, like, let them give them resources and talk to a counselor, you know, teach them why they're, you know, wrong about these racist remarks. If you're just going to dox them, and put all their information public just saying that they're a racist it doesn't really do anything but harm to the person and yeah i know they did say a racist remark i'm not trying to defend the racist remark but it's still like you're kind of a bad guy too if you're getting me right now i'm trying to say that like don't dox the person just i'd say try and get them help you know try and fix the issue instead of just making it worse 
I kind of agree with you, Mario, on that fact. I've seen people as far as giving their home address to have, so that people could handle them. I understand that what they have said is wrong, it's, but there's a limit to what you could do to change someone's mind. You could actually educate them of why they are wrong in saying what they said, but trying to expose them, I understand and social media but like giving information they shouldn't have that's where people cross the line yeah i definitely think think like giving out people's information is 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 not a good idea because i like some people might like you know go straight for the people and hurt them and no one really wants that they just you just want them to see the wrong in what they've said and and i don't know maybe like what's it called, giving out their information for other people to find them to see and maybe like harm them isn't the best way to go about that. I don't know. I think exposing people during this time, it's not necessarily that it's wrong because I don't think it's wrong. You know, people are doing this anonymously. They, you don't know who's, who's sending it out. I don't essentially think that it's wrong because you're calling people out on their flaws. And I mean, I posted something myself that like, being transphobic, being homophobic, being racist, being all this is not really an opinion because the fact that you're opposing somebody's way of life, that shouldn't even exist. So the idea of like the call out to me, I think is perfectly fine. But the extent that they are going to expose home, home addresses, that's when it crosses the line of it's no longer a call out and it's no longer a a little thing where it's like, hey, this teacher, this administration, and then this student did this, and everybody was mad, or everybody didn't say anything because they didn't want to. You know, it's it's much more different and becomes very serious when a home address and very private things start to become exposed because now what's gonna happen to them? And especially during this time where all of where a lot of people are just kind of like, hey, you did something wrong and you you did this, well, kind of sucks. But now we're gonna have to retaliate to it. So it's it's kind of, it's a tough subject, but I think the exposing is perfectly fine. It's called for, but all the extent that it's caused is completely irrelevant and dangerous. And the exposing, while we're seeing, again, a lot of schools and a lot of students sort of take part in this, and they're beginning to expose students, staffs, peer, just the schools in general, if there is any sort of racist behavior or, or just anything in general, that is what we're seeing go on. But once it gets to that extent where it is extreme, where you start exposing personal information, home addresses, and we live in a world today where, you know, anybody sees that and they get slightly upset at it and they can take it the wrong way and try to, you know, inflict harm upon this person. And it's just, it becomes a much more severe issue than what it initially was. But when we come back here on the youth in our next segment, the Premier League starts today. We're back. Soccer is back. Um, I think I may have to watch this game just because it's some sort of a semblance of sports. And that's pretty exciting because, again, it's been three months since we've seen any sort of sports at all during this entire pandemic. So we'll see what the Premier League has sort of in store for these athletes and what steps they have to take in order to actually walk on that field and start playing again. You're listening to The Youth here on Slam Radio, Series 6M, Channel 145. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. Slam Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 145. Here's that song again. Here's that song again. For the hundredth time today. Here's that song again. It's gonna be stuck in your head all day. Here's 
that song again. It will make you cray cray. You love your kids enough to watch that TV show a bajillion times. Yay! Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat for their age and size. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. To protect his home and family from disaster, Steve used courage, wisdom, and his camera phone. That should do it. Way to go, Steve! By simply taking digital pictures of his family's important documents, Steve can always have them stored safely online, no matter when disaster strikes. Learn other simple ways to protect your home and family before a natural disaster at ready.gov. That's ready.gov. A message from FEMA and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. Hey, man, if, look, if they pick up Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo too, I'll, I'll be fine with him. But I'm just looking, I'm, I'm looking at the different angles. It doesn't. You I don't call know. him that, I call him Tunga Vailoa, whatever you want to call him. Listen, I don't know if they're 100% sold on Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa is the next quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. How can you get that name so perfect? Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo? Tua? I can't do it. I'm done. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa. That sounds much better that way. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Flowers are beautiful, but they become even more so when carried by people who are committed to ending Alzheimer's. At the Alzheimer's Association Walk to End Alzheimer's, hundreds of thousands carry different colored flowers, signifying their connections to the disease. And we walk so that one day, there will be a white flower for Alzheimer's first survivor. Slam Radio is more than just a radio station, but a family. It's so nice to know that you have a place where you can feel safe, where you can feel comfortable sharing your opinions and not be judged for what you feel like is right or is wrong. I'm very grateful that I've gotten this opportunity to be a part of something big, something historical. It taught me that not only that I matter, but that I have a voice. And the mentors we have here, like Frank the Tank and Amigo, make you love this amazing program even more. There are very few words that can describe Slam Radio. One word that definitely comes to mind is familia, family. We've been offered so many unique opportunities to be a part of something great. I will always be grateful to Slam Radio and everybody a part of Slam Radio. We are a family. They are my family and they will always continue to be my family and I will forever be thankful and I know they got my back just like I got theirs. I love being part of Slam Radio. This is Saquon Barkley and you got to listen to Slam Radio. We are back here on the new Slam Radio Series XM Channel 145 in our last segment, you know, we talked about how we're seeing a lot of high school students take man, they're taking all these matters into their own hands and they're exposing students, fellow peers, staff, administration, and schools in general on any sort of racist behavior from any of these peers of theirs in school and sort of making them learn a lesson from their racist remarks and, you know, insensitive remarks in in these scenarios as well. And we're also, we also talked about how we saw the president of the United States, he signed an executive order yesterday to sort of encourage police reform and policing. But in this next segment, we've talked about how we're seeing different sporting leagues sort of set out plans and we're going to see the beginning and semblance of some sort of sports once again in July. And today 
we have the Premier League. Their first games are being played today after three months of no sports. We've missed sports. We've talked about how much we miss sports and how much we can see that the world relies on sports. And once you don't have it, you miss it a lot. And it this whole time has sort of made you appreciate sports a lot more than you once did. So just today for the Premier League, we're seeing Aston Villa versus Sheffield United and Man City versus Arsenal. Both these matches will be played today behind closed doors as all teams will be wearing jerseys with messages in support of the Black Lives Matter movement. So, you know, we're seeing this go on. The Premier League today tweeted out and they sort of detailed their extremely extensive plan on social media for other fans to see what is going to go down from the moment these athletes sort of prepare for these games and once they actually get to walk on that field once again. So initially we're seeing stadium access is being limited to around 300 people only so think about it once you get the teams in there you get the staffs in there and you get you know personnel and people that need to be there for the stadium that 300 adds up pretty quickly you know we won't see any fans in these stadiums for a while we're seeing the stadium itself is divided into three different zones you have the red zone the amber zone and the green zone the red zone of course is the field and the tunnels and um and whatnot but we're seeing how the red zone is only open to those who have been tested within the last five days and there's a maximum c- capacity of 110 players. So, of course, this does allow for that pra- practice of proper social distancing within these zones. And, of course, those who can only be on the field are those who have been tested within the last five days. We're also seeing that before leaving any match, leaving for any sort of match, all players and staff are required to complete all relevant checks for COVID-19 as well as if they have any symptoms that are similar to those of COVID-19, they must report it immediately before even getting on any sort of transportation to get to these actual matches, which moves to my next point in which Premier League sort of went through an extensive process of detailing how these teams will be transported from where they're staying all the way to the stadium. So these teams must travel in sterile environments and they have to practice proper social distancing within these transports. And as soon as they arrive to the stadiums, each player, they're given a sterile route to their own personal dressing room. There's a staggering of dressing rooms, you know, not too many people can be, of course, again, in one area at once and they have to, you know, get dressed, get ready. And once these players are prepared to go onto the field, they're expected to go straight to the field. They're not allowed to linger in the tunnels and sort of give handshakes to one another. And as we know, this is a big part in soccer because the teams line up in the tunnels, they walk out with the children holding hands and we see them shaking one another's hands. And it's, you know, it's a big deal in soccer. Now we won't see that go down as well. We're also seeing that non-playing coaching staff and any, you know, any players that are not playing, anybody that's a, a part of the coaching staff, anyone in general that is not on the field playing is required to wear face coverings at all times. And these clubs are required to go through strict cleaning processes and disinfecting measures where they have to disinfect and clean the changing rooms, the match balls, the goalposts, the dugouts, the corner flags, everything. So the Premier League made it a point and made it an effort to show to the world and not just, you know, in a, in a pretty brief explanation of what's going on as to what exactly these players and these athletes and everybody involved in these matches is going to have to go through from now on in order to ensure safety and that everything's staying clean, everything's staying sanitized. So um, I, I don't know. I kind of wanted to hear from you guys. Do you think that these measures, like all these measures that the Premier League is taking, do you think that this ensures enough safety as of right now, like, you know, we're, we saw how the NBA is taking everything to Disney World and they're playing on uh, the ESPN Worldwide of Sports Complex. And we're seeing how they're staying in different resorts within the Disney 
the Disney property and, you know, different measures that are being taken as well. You know, the NBA sort of laid out a six phase plan, if I'm not mistaken, as to how these players will sort of get back and get get the ball rolling again when it comes to playing sports as well. But this seems like the Premier League has done a very extensive job in ensuring that we all know more or less what's going down when these players arrive and these players sort of make it to these matches. Yeah, and um, to go further into the NBA point, here are a few uh, little notes about it. Uh, the NBA teams will be distributed into three hotels based on their seating, which is how good they did that year. So the top teams like the Bucks, the Lakers, the Clippers, etc., will stay at Grand Destino. The middle-of-the-road teams like the Thunder, the Sixers, and the Rockets will stay in the Grand Floridian. And the teams who are a little bit at the bottom of the barrel will stay at the Yacht Club. Uh, another interesting thing that I saw was that there will be player lounges with NBA 2K. There will be barbers on site, manicurists and pedicurists, as well as multiple pools. There will be 24-hour VIP concierge, daily movie screenings, and DJs as well. And also another thing that I found interesting is that players can attend other games. So, for example, let's say James Harden wants to watch, I don't know, the Heat and the Clippers play. He can go. And another thing was was really cool is um, there's going to be on-site mental health professionals to help players and team employees at all times. We know that's been an issue in the NBA with a lot of players. And the last point is that they'll have a, an anonymous anonymous hotline to report any violations of the protocol. So that's pretty interesting. That's going to be interesting to see how that goes down. But back to the Premier League point, I think both leagues, the NBA and the Premier League, are doing a very good job um, trying to kickstart their league again with the little bubble environments. And I feel like it took a lot of planning and it should really be admired because they had to think of this so quickly. And I think it's going to be a good job on both parts. I'm excited to see how both leagues are going to end up turning out. But stand-up job by both of the commissioners. And Anthony, going back to your point on how different teams stay in different hotels in the NBA, I find that absolutely hilarious that they're ranking it on seating. Like, you, like the best teams, they get to go to the four seasons, they get the best hotels. And then, like, the bottom teams, I just imagine they get stay in, like, a Motel 6 with, like, no amenities whatsoever. The Knicks stay in the Motel 6. Yup, the Knicks. Knicks don't deserve a good hotel after their years of misery. I mean, I find that hilarious. But going to the Premier League, I'm excited for some sports to come back. I mean, I've been kind of just watching esports leagues. That's the only sports I get. But, yeah, I mean, it's cool. I just am more, um, you know, worried about what they'll do with the Champions League. I mean, I know a lot of people don't watch soccer, so – Champions League is like this league that all the leagues in Europe, like the best teams play each other in this huge league. I doubt it's going to happen for some time due to the coronavirus and traveling is going to be a huge issue. So, I mean, it's still great. I mean, a big storyline here is Liverpool. They haven't won a championship in over 20 years, and now they're going to have the chance to do it. So it's cool. We're going to see like an on-field celebration and stuff. We're going to see the fans get all passionate. So I'm excited. You know, whether it's virtual, like, you know, there's no fans. It's still going to be some sports, so I'm excited no matter what. I'm very excited about this. I I like watching soccer, and I like doing all this, so 
I'm very excited to have some, again, how everybody else has, has, has said, I'm very excited to see some more sports into this. But I think the measures that they're going with this is very respectable. You know, they are kind of telling us all like, hey, this is what we're doing. They, they pretty much have exposed their uh, their plan to us, which is very nice, you know, as the viewer and as people who do like sports, at least the majority of us. It's very nice to know that because you want to make sure that the players are all comfortable in what they're doing and that everybody else is is, is safe and is ensured, you know, a good enough chance of not catching this. So I think that the all the measures they're doing is very respectable, very uh, comforting personally for my own state of mind. Cause I'm I'm like, wonder if they're okay. I'm one of those people. I don't know why. I just I just am. So it is it is nice and it, it's definitely something that I'm very glad that they they are taking those steps and those measures because again, we we all of us are, are desperate for sports, whether you're a big sports fan or for like Alicia who just wants her brothers and, and her dad to just get off her back and just you know, go, go watch some basketball, some football. But, you know, I think it's, I think this is all very interesting. And it, again, this is like a nice routine coming back to us. So I'm definitely excited for this and I'm definitely happy with their plan so far. Yeah. With me, I, I really cannot wait for everything to start up again. Can't wait to start watching at least some sort of sport, even if it's soccer, you know, I don't really like watching soccer that much, but hey, I, I'm the, I've been deprived of watching sports for a while, so I, I got to watch something. And with the, with the NBA protocols, I, I think it was pretty good. I also think it's also um, funny how they, like, ranked, uh, put them uh, in their hotel rooms based on their seating. I thought that was pretty funny, too. But other than that, I think, I think everything that's um, been going on with the NBA and, and other sports leagues have been moving pretty smoothly, and they're doing it in a very in, in a very good way that um, I didn't really see them doing, but I actually I prefer it this way. I am happy at least some sports is coming back, even though I'm not like a big sports fan. I'm glad they're taking the necessary precautions to make making sure everybody's safe and keeping everybody like organized and social distancing makes every is making I know a lot of people that like sports happy to get sports back and I'm looking forward to at least watching some sports because I'm not, even though I don't like it that much but it, it 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 makes me look forward to it and I'm glad I'm glad too I mean even I live in a house with a lot of sports fanatics uh, Anthony and my dad you know they they I hear a lot of sports period but now with the return of sports for real and today we're going to see some sort of soccer games go down and we'll see how that works out you know it's pretty interesting now to see how these processes work out and it's going to be an eerie feeling watching a game and not hearing that ambient noise and we've talked about that here on the youth not hearing that ambient noise of fans cheering in the background especially when it comes to soccer as we know that that's a big deal where these stadiums get packed and you see just the all the fans and their energy when they go out to these games but We'll see what goes down today with these two matches, and we'll see sort of what happens and what rolls out with the NBA. I mean, they have some pretty cool things in store for these players, but yet again, they will be spending the entire season at these resorts, away from their homes, away from their families. So it's sort of like a compensation kind of thing to make sure that they're as comfortable as possible to finish off this season. But when we come back here on the youth, standardized testing, we've talked about it. We've talked about it, how it's sort of shifted during this entire pandemic. We took at-home AP exams. And that was an interesting process to go through. But now we may see these standardized exams 
sort of change in the coming years. And, you know, for Brianna and I, it's not that big of a deal anymore, but for you guys who still have three, four years of standardized testing to take and several APs, several SATs and ACTs to take, this may change a little bit for you guys in the future. You're listening to The Youth here on Slam Radio, Series 6M, Channel 145. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. Slam Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 145. Why was the basketball court all wet? Because the players kept dribbling on it. The dad joke. <laughs> Corny, groan-worthy, but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. What did the buffalo say when he dropped his son off for school? Bye, son. So take a moment to make your kid laugh, because dad jokes rule. Make your kid laugh today. Go to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk. This is high blood pressure. Get back on your plan. Go to loweryourhbp.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigos. I remember going one time during my honeymoon. We did the whole entire um, Today Show, and I wanted to go. I wanted to come out on TV, and I got my wife up early, and we got there an hour and a half before the show started. And I'm like, this is going to be great. We're going to be the only ones there. We're going to come out on TV. We couldn't get anywhere near the cameras. So I can't even make this up for you. Five years ago, we stayed right on Times Square, the marquee. You could see Good Morning Amigo from uh, Good Morning America from my... That's funny. <laughs> That's a promo. Good Morning Amigo. Weekdays, 7 to noon, only on Slam Radio Sirius XM 145. To protect her home and family in a disaster, Karen was willing to wade through water, mud, and... Insurance paperwork. Yeah, I can do this. You go, Karen! By simply understanding and updating what her insurance covers and doesn't cover now, she'll be better prepared no matter when disaster strikes. Learn other simple ways to protect your home and family before a natural disaster at ready.gov. That's ready.gov. A message from FEMA and the Ad Council. Allison is perfect. I mean, she'd never tell you that. She's humble and perfect. She likes everyone. She even likes her untidy roommate's weird guinea pig. Allison, wait, are you texting and driving? Allison, no, that's the exact opposite of what I was just saying about you. Why, Allison, why? Texting and driving makes good people look bad. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> you know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's going to do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you got to take those losses. You got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, rico. you know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. 
that's the toughest part. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam Radio. segment we talked about the premier league how we're seeing soccer return today we're going to see two different matches go down today in an empty stadium which is going to be rather weird but moving on from that topic and into our third segment of today's show the look of standardized testing may change forever as a result of this pandemic and for people like anthony gerald nicole and mario who take ap's they know ap's they've you know They've gone through their first AP season already, and it was sort of different than what they actually expected. Brianna and I, on the other hand, have some sort of experience with taking full AP exams, and we know that those three, four-hour exams were not fun. The multiple choice, the DBQs, the LEQs, the SAQs, everything in such a long period of time and sitting behind a desk for pretty much an entire day to take these exams. But now, due to the pandemic, we took these AP exams at home in the comfort of our homes. For some people in their beds, for some people in their desks, wherever it may be that you took this exam, and it was 45 minutes where you only had to provide some sort of a written response, unless you took a language exam, where you had to provide a audio response, where you spoke the language that you so thoroughly learned and prepared for, for a pretty much three-hour test, and now it was all summed up in 45 minutes. So we saw how this went down. You know, we saw the glitches that happen with college board and with these exams and how a lot of exams were not turned in we're now awaiting our scores which should come out in pretty much a month a month from today i believe our ap scores come out here in florida at least um and it's pretty interesting to see how now with the change of the test and look of the test how these scores are how these exams are going to be scored and how different it'll look to previous years but these exams may look different in the coming years especially, you know, for you guys who are still in high school and are still, you know, going through that AP wheel of different sorts of APs that you will be taking in the coming years. These standardized exams may change from having that multiple choice and written response portion to simply just having this written response portion, which will then allow teachers to sort of teach more throughout the class. You know, you don't have to focus on multiple choice uh, practice than written practice. You know, you can focus on that written practice specifically, perfecting that essay, two essays, three essays, however much you need to write. And it allows you to learn more content and understand it thoroughly as you're not just bubbling in an answer and pretty much guessing or trying to figure out the algorithm of an exam in figuring out how many C's, how many B's, how many A's, as some people do. But this in writing the the content you know you're sort of remembering things more and that's why you know you make index cards that's why you rewrite your notes when you're trying to study for these exams because it allows you to remember more or less what you're learning so for students like anthony gerald nicole and mario who still have to go through these exams and will sort of see this change evolve before their eyes as test takers do you prefer this new look where it may just be written responses or would you still want the old way of AP testing and the old way where multiple choice was still involved in that mix? I like the new idea of doing written assessments because first off, I really like writing anyways. And it and I'd like just writing down like what I know already, but I think that the biggest part of this, because I, I, I remember um, looking at, uh, at, the, at the specific article, it's mostly just because teachers are like, hey, 
we can have them teach to actually learn and retain the material rather than teach to pass a test. So it goes down to, like, the, to the biggest part of where like it's going to go back to how like teachers used to teach just so that you can retain information and be knowledgeable on that for at least the school year or for an extent of longevity. Like I get that. And a whole bunch of thing is that also colleges don't really care for the multiple choice question answers because it's like, oh, you just kind of figured it out. Like, you know how to, you know, figure out that this one's wrong, this one's right, congratulations. It goes down to more that they care about the written assessments anyways, because that's what you really get in college. You, a, a lot of your final is just writing questions. It is just you open questions. You have to figure out what's going on. And that's all really college like, kind of goes for. So it makes a lot of sense why they would want to uh, get get, a, get rid of it completely. I, I, I definitely, stand beside it because I like writing and I like the whole <clears throat> I like the whole idea of just written assessments because it's much not much easier but it's just it's it's a nice weight off your shoulders that it's like oh multiple choice because 50 percent of the of the test if you do get any part of it wrong well kind of sucks for you and the other and then written just the other 50 percent so I think written alone is probably the best way to go I like the whole formatting for this all right, I'm gonna be honest with everybody here. I hated this year's AP exams. They sucked. Like, first of all, all right, let's say, you know, you're taking AP World History. You pretty much understand, you know, most subjects, but you're, you're unsure about like one time period. And then lo and behold, on the AP exam, you get that one time period. Now it doesn't matter what you studied before. All that matters is that one time period you learn. And if you didn't learn it so well, well, it sucks to be you because, you know, the college board doesn't really care. And it just sucks because it doesn't really accurately, you know, show if you were a good student in this class. Because, again, we could flip it around. Let's say you were a terrible student and you didn't really get anything except, like, maybe you paid attention one, like, for one time period. And lo and behold, you get that time period suddenly that student scores really good on that exam for no reason. Like, it doesn't show what good of a student you are. It just shows how lucky you are. It's all based on luck on how good you do on this exam. And as for the point that you retain information better, like, to be honest, the only thing I really retain from learning a DBQ is how to write the thing. Like, it really, because, like, I feel like you're more focused on learning the format more than the actual content of it. So I feel like we should at least do multiple choice because it shows that, oh, you know, I may not do well on the DBQ, but I still have, you know, could get a good score due to the multiple choice. But now it's just, oh, well, if it's just I'm praying now to see what time period I get, because I don't know if, you know, I don't know this one subject. It's really terrible. I do not like this DBQ stuff. But Mario, think about it. You walked in to AP World History this year, your first AP class in your freshman year, and you were preparing for a three-hour exam that entailed a multiple-choice section, a SAQ section, a DBQ section, an LEQ section. This is what you prepared for, so that is why you may feel like you were just learning the format of how to write these, you know, these written responses, and I understand that in A-Push last year, it's a lot of content to go over, plus you have to learn the exam. But think about the fact that you're just going in. All you have to do is learn the formatting and how to write a proper DBQ. You learn that initially, and then you practice writing it and getting it perfect. And then that allows you more time to learn 
these topics inside out rather than having to worry and juggle not only learning the content that will be on the exam but as well as how to how to tackle that multiple choice how to write those saqs how to write those dbqs how to write those leqs because each one has different you know points and different you know things that you have to get to in order to get that point those two points those three points that you have to knock down so i understand your perspective absolutely for you know for that that well if you get one specific time period that you may not be as strong with as another one it's sort of it's not it doesn't work out in your favor but as someone who with ap exams always did better with the writing portion than the multiple choice section i feel like this would benefit people like me who are good with the writing who enjoy the writing and i always feel like i learned more and understood the content more when i was able to write it down on a piece of paper rather than trying to figure out the answer in a you know in a multiple choice question but then again tests are supposed to determine how well you do in a class and how much knowledge you retain and just testing one time period in a dbq doesn't really show that and it's like what i said like a student could do terrible throughout the year but like they've kind of picked up on one time period and that's the one they've tested on like it doesn't really show how well you've been doing throughout the class yeah i, I kind of on Mario. oh Okay, I'm kind of on Mario's side, just a pinch. I'm gonna be honest with you, because I, I actually, I actually prefer multiple choice at, with like tests, because you know who who knows maybe like you said you may be like a go have a really bad grade on like a DBQ or something, but then you have the multiple choice to make up for it. I don't know. That's just my opinion. Tell the Mario that it shouldn't be fair that just the writing portion determines pretty much your entire grade it it kind of sucks in my opinion like you should have the variety between the multiple choice and the written response in my opinion i could see why they're doing it because a lot of kids are strong in the writing portion i'm not saying like i'm weak in the writing portion i think i'm pretty decent in the writing portion but i just feel like for the kids that aren't it's not fair for them because they're missing out on the opportunity to potentially bump up their grade but that's not the point with this. The whole point of trying to change into multiple into having multiple choice not really kind of become obsolete is the fact being that colleges don't really care for multiple choice. You don't do multiple choice at all in college. It's strictly written response questions. And like, that's all you really need to focus on. So the fact that when you're in high school now, whether you're a freshman or you're going to sophomore year, whatever, whatever level of, of high school you're going into, this is a nice way to kind of learn the mechanics of how college works because obviously you have to learn the social aspects later on when you get there. But whenever it, it's, it's nice to already have a background of how the academic process kind of works because you can't do anything like that. Just like yeah, Nicole said, but like when you go into college and you'll start noticing now when you guys, if you guys start taking dual enrollment courses, when you take these classes, they don't ask you to complete a 10 question multiple choice quiz or, you know, in, in the case of an AP exam, like, for example, AP Psych, if you take psychology in college, they don't ask you to take a 100 question, you know, multiple choice exam. They ask you to write down different things and write essays and write papers and stuff. And with this being implemented now, where you have to write specifically for these exams and there's no multiple choice, it'll prepare you to not only tackle the language that will be expected in these college papers and in college in general, because 
college expects you to know how to write these essays thoroughly and know how to write them properly. And most people get to college and they don't know how to do it. And that's why they get C's, D's and F's on their first papers because they don't understand and they don't know how to properly do this. But if you get this preparation in high school, and this is sort of the purpose of AP classes, it's not just to get that college credit and knock that class out so you don't have to take it in college, but it's also to learn the pace and what it's like to take an actual college course. So if you prepare how to write papers and how to write in general, where this will help you out, this skill will help you out in college, then why continue on with the multiple choice sections if they're not helping you out? You don't see it in college as often anyways. Why continue with the multiple choice if it's not going to help you out as much as say a written exam? Yeah, but the thing is also that those college exams where you need to write, they actually test on all the subjects the teacher is teaching. These 45 minute DBQs absolutely do not apply all of your knowledge that you've learned throughout the course. If it were my opinion and like I needed to choose what exam we were going to take, I'd pick like an SAQ with like three parts that go over multiple, you know, variations of the topic that we're learning. Not this 45 minute to one hour DBQ that pretty much teaches us, oh, all you need to do is really study one time period because that's all that's going to matter at the end of the test. Like really, it doesn't matter the, what you learn throughout the whole year it just matters what you get on that test and it's just stupid in my opinion like you again college board is kind of just saying lol take the dbq it we don't really care what you did throughout the whole year and i really disagree with that tests are supposed to you know show what apply what you have learned throughout the whole year and the dbq does not do that i completely agree with you there man um it's just kind of a luck-based thing like, it's, hey, you get this time period, go. I would much rather prefer an LEQ where you can choose from the three or, like you said, an SAQ, which it varies from the three periods instead of just one complete DBQ with just one time period. And it's just kind of blindfolding yourself and shooting at a target. And that's exactly the point. You don't know that once they do restructure these AP exams, if they do, um, you don't know if it's going to be a DBQ. You don't know. Obviously, with DBQs, you're given, and that's the only experience you have right now because that's all you took when you took your AP World exam uh, You know, a few, just a few weeks ago is all you did was a DBQ, so you learn these documents for this specific time period. But an LEQ specifically gives you three different time periods. There's no documents, and you have to write about your knowledge and what you learned. So who says that it won't be an, an LEQ where you're given, you can write about any specific time period within the class that you take and you know we're talking specifically history APs as well but just think about AP psych what do you think would happen and go down in AP psych AP psych does include a lot of different topics and a lot of small little things so while I understand that you shouldn't be tested on one specific topic after learning a bunch of things throughout the entire school year but isn't that what happens anyways when you take the AP exam no matter what the test structure looks like because I'm sorry to break it to you but that multiple choice section is not from you know it's not from 1491 to present in AP US history. It doesn't entail every single little thing that you learn throughout that entire school year when you took AP US. It has, it, they focus on specific time periods, especially, and you see that in the breakdown of the courses. It doesn't go through period one through nine in every single multiple choice question. You get more questions on specific time periods, and that also depends on your luck because there's different versions. And it's the same thing with the DBQ. It's the same thing with the LAQ. And it's the same thing with the SAQ. So I understand Mario, like I understand your point, 
but you have to also realize that the multiple choice sections aren't affected the writing section you will learn how to write it's skills that you can apply later on in life because you're going to have to write in college if you go to grad school you're going to have to write in grad school if you're getting a doctor's degree you're going to have to write anyways and even post any sort of school when you go to work you're going to have to write are you going to be taking multiple choice exams to become an account like when you're an accountant you're not going to be bubbling in things on a sheet you're going to be writing things down same thing if you're a lawyer same thing if you're a doctor same thing if you're a broadcaster whatever you may be writing is a skill that you need to know and you need to have down packed for the rest of your life not bubbling in circles but i think one thing is something that the college board should do throughout is that give students a choice on the text on the test they're going to take next year because let's be honest the college board doesn't care what we think they care about making money and I really do not like that about them. The college board doesn't listen to the students, which I think is something that needs to change. It, I'm trying to say here that the college board needs to think of a better way instead of a 45 minute DBQ to apply our knowledge. And yeah, Amanda's right. We do use writing a lot and we use it throughout our time period, throughout our life is what I meant. But like, I still think that it doesn't, for school reasons it doesn't apply our knowledge because let's be honest that's what tests are for applying knowledge and writing a 45 minute dbq about one thing does not apply our knowledge again mark who on, says man, it's going to be 45 on, minutes you talked about this enough it's my turn I'm listen no, no 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 listen the point is is that we don't know what this what this test is going to entail we got a modified version that was compiled very quickly because everybody was like yeah sure give us give us a test we want to see if we can do it we only got the dbq portion because we didn't they didn't know what else to do okay and second off who says whenever they take off the the, the multiple choice questions that we aren't going to get a, a a whole the laq the saq and the dbq we might just get all three of them and we might just get all three of them in a different light how you said we, we might get saqs with different time periods and laqs do have different time periods that you choose from anyways so who says that that's not how it's going to be it's going to erase one portion of the test so it's, you shouldn't be looking at it th through the views of how you think AP tests look like now, because at this point, how you think they look like now is going to be obsolete next year, because it's not going to exist. So I'm just going to say, like, it's kind of like the fact that you're doing this is kind of frustrating because you're not you're not listening and you're not getting what we're trying to tell you. I am listening what you you're really saying. You really are, because you keep yes, looking. Yes, I am. I'm saying that it saying doesn't, that it doesn't apply your knowledge. Up. No, but that doesn't that doesn't mean anything. You keep on going back to the same point that it, it's it's based on prior luck, and that's not what it what it's about at all. But if anyway, I get a question about Nicole, 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 go, 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 Nicole. Amanda, do you see that? Do you hear that, Amanda? I hear you, Nicole. I don't hear Anthony. I don't hear Mario because I understand their points, but they're still not getting nah, it completely. And nah, we're you, to get across. But guys, thank you for another spectacular show. This was clearly, it's its a conversation that's going to continue on for the next year until we see what these next AP exams look like. And Brianna and I are moving past this, but for students like Anthony, Gerald, Nicole, and Mario, we'll be drastically affected in the coming years as to how standardized testing will look in the future. But thank you guys for another spectacular show. Thank you to everybody who tuned in today. And thank you for listening to the youth here on Slam Radio, Series XM, Channel 145. We'll see you tomorrow.